Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry by Syntax 6 on Omniscribe. Rating Explicit. Chapter 9. Whoever wrote that romantic song about Boston in the springtime had obviously forgotten the March wind chill factor for 32 degrees. As they walked across the MIT campus, Scully hunched her shoulders to make herself a smaller target for the slicing wind, and then let Mulder's breath block the worst of the gusts. My father wanted me to study here, Mulder said. He was class of 55. Really? You never mentioned it. Yeah, he was an engineer math geek. We argued for six months before he finally let me go overseas. What was wrong with MIT? It was here. She smiled. So icy. So the attraction of Oxford was... It was far, far away. You know, it's funny that you considered MIT because I considered it as well. Considered was probably too mild a word. She corrected to herself. She practically memorized the brochure. Strong stone buildings nestled near the river where sailboats tilted in the wind. Powerhouse physics classes. Teachers who hailed from all over the world. Plus, there was the opportunity to study in Boston with its huge per capita college rating. So many schools in such a small space. It was like Mecca for a hungry brain, and she had wanted to come worship. Mulder nudged her with his elbow. So what happened? No money, she said. Dad was determined to put us all through school, but a Navy captain's salary only stretches so far. We could have been here together, Mulder said, as they reached their car, passed each other in the halls, and never even have known it. She had a flash of them rising at the same time from separate library corrals, their eyes meeting and... I would have kept right on walking, she agreed. Unless you crashed right into me. I took six classes my freshman year and barely had a thought that wasn't expressed as an equation. He glanced at her before starting the car. Wouldn't have mattered. We were going to meet anyway. She met his gaze. So certain you always are, Agent Mulder. If you had gone to MIT instead of Oxford, you might have not ended up working for the FBI. You might have decided to remain a doctor. Nah. He touched the back of her hand with one glove finger. You set yourself, Scully, in your thesis. Each universe can have only one possible outcome. She smiled and shook her head. I had no idea you had such a high regard for my senior thesis, Mulder. Certainly not to the point where you could quote chapter and verse. It's like a mini Scully time travel machine. I get a peek at what you were like in your younger years. He shot her another look. Besides, it's fun to watch you think. Is it? Sure. He returned his eyes to the road. Smart as sexy, Scully. You said that, too. She felt herself pinkin under her winter coat, prickling and tingling in the dark. I know what I said. If it were anyone else, she'd think he'd meant it as a pass. She had sometimes wondered, during occasional bouts of strange fantasy, how such a moment could ever occur. She and Mulder engaged barbed theories and cold pizza slices, not fresh flowers and lingering glances. Four years in, 
If Mulder did attempt to pass, she'd probably fumble it. Mulder and Scully ruled incomplete. He had Miranda now anyway, she told herself as she turned to look out at the night skyline. And you wouldn't want to trade. She might get romance, but it comes in such a small package. Miranda had to make do with a rare, hurried lunch or an interrupted dinner. Scully had four years in counting. If Mulder were a wishbone, she definitely snapped the bigger half. This isn't the way back to the hotel, she commented, shifting to look at him. Nope. I have something to show you in the city first. In Boston? Mulder, it's late. Aren't you tired? It's not that late, and we can grab something to eat on the way back. Trust me, you'll like this. It's not that far. Just up the river. Scully looked out her window again, at the Charles, the river that had shimmered blue in her old brochure. Now it was a black ribbon that glowed with yellow city lights, as if someone had split the sky and the stars had tumbled into the water. The road curved with it, hugging the shoreline, and Scully could feel her body adjust with each bend. She'd always liked rivers, liked living near them. Rivers had a destination and a purpose. If you followed one, you could always find the sea. Mulder stopped just before the river did and turned into the parking structure for a large brick building equipped with an odd white sphere. We're here. The Museum of Science? Scully says she checked out the signs. I used to come here a lot as a kid, but haven't been inside in years. They're probably only open for another hour or so. Come on. He grabbed her hand and tugged her, as always, into the unknown. Inside the museum, they examined the technology behind the blue screen. Mulder gave the weather report for three giggling children. He paid the miniature Tyrannosaurus Rex to hear it roar, and they both climbed inside the space capsule. Scully had a chance to make waves with the giant simulator. Mulder pretended to surf next to the glass. On the third floor, they circled the giant Rube Goldberg device that stretched near to the ceiling. Plaques on the walls explained the momentum and the transfer of energy. I bet you could detail the physics behind every bit of this, Mulder said, as they watched a ball roll from track to track. Perhaps, she said. She selected her own ball, but that would take some of the fun out of it. They stood shoulder to shoulder, heads back, and watched her ball ride the elevator up to the top of the wire track. It crashed through the tiny doors and whizzed around the curves. You have to admit, it would be tempting to go backwards, he said, if we could. Back in time? I suppose the idea is fascinating in the abstract. Her ball came rattling down the last track, and he hit the button to see it set in motion again. You certainly thought so at 23. She tilted her head to look up at him. Mulder, young adults are hardly known for possessing the wisdoms of the ages, and I was no different. I thought a lot of things at 23. Not all of them proved to be prudent choices. Oh, really? He was grinning at her now. Name one. She considered. Leg warmers. And that's all I'm saying outside the presence of my attorney. They wandered out into the hall again, passing the three stories high T-Rex with its bulging eyes. Mulder stopped just in front of the giant teeth. But see, that's the beauty of it, Scully. With time travel, you could go back and undo any mistakes. Think of how many tragedies we could have averted with the benefit of hindsight. The Hindenburg never would have taken off 
Hitler never would have come to power, and JFK might still be alive today. She turned to face him. Of course I can see the benefits. Do you think there aren't choices I would undo if I could? But choices matter because they are unidirectional, because we can't see beyond them to every possible outcome or erase them after the fact. If every life decision had a reset button, it wouldn't really matter which direction we took. Life would devolve into the endless, pointless loop. You're assuming that people faced with the fact that their actions could be reversed would choose inaction. Instead, it might be freeing, knowing any wrong choice could be eliminated. So could any correct choice. All decisions would be rendered meaningless. Mulder. She waited until he looked at her. It's Physics 101. Time is precious because it runs out. He gave her an awkward smile and looked at the floor. I was always the one who didn't want the party to end, the last one out the door. She ran her hand down his arm in affection. Speaking of, I think it's almost closing time. Not yet. There's one more room. Mulder, come on. I saved the best for last. So, as usual, when everyone else was walking one way, Mulder and Scully were walking the other. He led her through orange doors into a large, dark room. At the center were twin beige towers that resembled silos with enormous globes stuck on top. Between the towers sat a large iron cage. Ah, it's a Van der Graaff generator, she thought. They make lightning in here, Mulder said. The cage gets zapped with a person inside. Very cool, let me tell you. If you sit close enough, you can feel your hair stand on end. It's too bad we missed the last show. She followed him down a short flight of stairs to the main room, using the tiny floor lights to guide her way. Mulder slipped on ahead of her like an eager boy. By the time she cleared the lightning machine, he disappeared. Mulder, back here, his voice floated across the huge room, and she traced the sound to an alcove in the corner. Mulder rubbed his hands together. This is the best part, Scully. Wary, she eyed the floor-to-ceiling white panels covering the far wall. What is this? Stand over there, pressed against those panels. She stood near the panels. Now what? Wait. He hit a button on the opposite wall, and a green countdown began. Dashing across, he pressed himself next to her. The clock hit zero, and a brief flash illuminated the tiny room. Now step away. Scully backed up and saw that the panels captured her and Mulder's silhouettes. She gave a slow smile. That's pretty funny. Freezing shadows. Mulder moved to hit the button again. Try it again. This time she put her arms over her head, and Mulder jumped up just as the clock hit zero. Their shadows appeared to be engaged in some bizarre exercise regimen. The third try found Mulder walking like an Egyptian and Scully attempting the frozen jump. Her timing was off, and the panel caught her in the crouch phase. Mulder snickered. I didn't think it was possible for you to get any shorter. The panels caught her response, mid-shove, and Mulder looked like a whooping crane in flight. By the end of their game, she felt light as the shadow herself, breathless and floating. One last try, Mulder said, hitting the reset button. They flattened themselves against the panels and stretched their arms out as far as they could reach. Cool, Mulder pronounced a moment later as they studied their silhouettes, their shadowed fingertips nearly touching. Mulder retrieved his coat from the floor. 
We should get going before they lock us in here. Yeah. He left the alcove, but Scully stayed to watch their images fade from the screen. No. She wouldn't want to bend time like a twist tie. But just stop it. Freeze it for a single moment. That might be okay. One might say they entered the Caribbean restaurant with winter-kissed cheeks. If winter-kissed, like Great Aunt Edna, pinching and squeezing until you were thoroughly red. The fierce heater over the door stirred Scully's hair, and Mulder watched in silent amusement as the strands danced over her head. Two, please, he said, when asked, and a dark-haired hostess showed them to a table against the wall. Martin, your server will be right with you. Mulder inhaled the sweet, spicy scent permeating the small room. Smell those fried plantains. We've got to get a plate of those. Eat all you want, Scully replied, studying her menu. I'm not that hungry. Mulder looked up. You've got to eat something. I will eat something, maybe a salad. Her tone warned him not to press the issue. At that moment, a lithe man arrived at their table, wearing a white apron at his waist, which he accentuated with a quick snap of his hips. His smile showed even white teeth against warm, caramel skin. I'm Martin, and it will be my greatest pleasure to serve you this evening. Is this your first time dining with us? Mulder noted he seemed mainly interested in Scully's answer. Scully knows, too, and obliged him. Yes, she said. We're from out of town. Fallen from heaven? Yes. He winked at her, and Scully slipped a little lower in her chair, but Mulder caught a hint of a smile. Martin reached across the table for the frosted glass jar. Allow me to light your candle. Thanks, Mulder said pointedly. I think we need another minute before ordering. Trouble deciding? Martin moved to stand behind Scully, leaning over her shoulder to read her menu. I can recommend some excellent specialties. Scully turned her face towards Martin. I was looking at the salads. Oh, no. Salads you can get anywhere. From here, you must try the blackened catfish. Francois makes it so it sings in your mouth. If I had a singing catfish, I'd take it to the circus, not deep fry it in a restaurant, Mulder said. It sounds wonderful, Scully said to Martin. I'll take that. Magnificent. Martin took her menu. And you, sir, did you still require more time? No. Bring me the singing catfish, too. Apparently, it wasn't so magnificent when he ordered it, because Martin simply took his menu and disappeared into the kitchen. Mulder watched him go, and when he returned his eyes to the table, Scully was fiddling the vase of tiny daisies and smiling. Don't tell me you find that act charming. What? He's harmless enough. What happened to, I'll just have a salad? I decided to have the catfish instead. She folded her hands on the table. I thought you wanted me to eat. I do. Then what's the problem? The problem is, he sat up in his chair and leaned across the table. The problem is, what kind of guy gives the hard sell like that? Let me light your candle. What if we were married? We're not. I know we're not, but he doesn't know that. Scully's mouth twitched with a smile. Oh, Mulder, I just don't think we give off that kind of vibe. Mulder sat back, speechless. He'd been vibrating like a goddamn tuning fork for two years, but she hadn't felt even a slight hum. I guess you're right, he sighed. 
So much for perfect pitch. That night, he was brushing his teeth when there was a knock on his hotel room door. With the handle still sticking out of his mouth, he went to see who it was. Scully stood on the other side in her new fluffy white robe. Her hair was damp, and she wore her glasses. Channel 33, she said. African Queen is on AMC in five minutes. He widened his door to let her inside. Scully, as always, went to the left side of the bed. As he watched her curl against the headboard and stick her feet under the covers, Mulder wondered how two people who had never slept together could still have a definitive half of the bed. I'll be right there, he said around his toothbrush. Scully had already turned on the TV by the time he rejoined her, so he stretched out on the bed and turned out the light. They don't make them like this anymore, Scully observed, settling in. Yet another argument in favor of time travel. She smiled to show she had heard, but didn't reply. Before long, Charlie Allnut and Rose Sayer had set off to test their mettle against the river and each other. So, Scully, scientifically speaking, do you think it's true that opposites attract? She rolled to face him. Nature is filled with examples. Magnets, ions, anything with a charge will automatically repel similar charges and attract the opposite. But I don't believe you can say the same argument for love. No. She shook her head. I think we're looking for our isomer, not our opposite. I think I ordered that once in a sushi joint. She need him from under the blankets. An isomer is made up of the same element, but arranged in a different combination. Kind of like a mirror image. She twisted to indicate the TV. Look at the characters here. They're not that different from each other. Both are strong-willed, smart, and sharp-tongued. They have the same fundamental sense of right and wrong. It's just expressed a little differently. Interesting theory, Dr. Scully. Maybe you should get your own radio call-in show for the lovelorn. Shut up, Mulder. They lapsed into silence again as the movie continued. For Scully, however, there would be no love among the leeches. He looked over and found her fast asleep. Scully, he said softly, reaching out to touch her hand. She didn't stir. He braced himself on one elbow and watched the slow, even rise and fall of her chest. Time went forward, and so would be. If this was all he got, he would make it be enough. As Bogey and Hepburn went in for their first kiss, he reached to remove Scully's glasses so she could sleep in peace. Blue light flickered across her face. He could see himself reflected in her lenses. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.